Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Guys being dudes. What you call an icon living? Start a record label, Miss Fish just did it. Nylon cover for five minutes. Whoa, we up too hot in the business. Whoa, about to make a movie independent. Need new trucks independent. I need you to listen to the vision. All your verses sound like dirty dishes. I'm about to clean them in the kitchen. And we making money by the minute. I'm about to do a way different. I am just an icon living. I am just an icon living. Living. I, I, icon living. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Crafts, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports, and we are your hosts here on a Monday edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast, fresh off the, uh, the initial weekend of NFL playoffs, and we've got the national championship game tonight in college football. Uh, even though Central Florida thinks it's already been played. Uh, and we're going to talk about some of the uh, the buzzier quarterbacks here in this class. So we're excited to be here. Kyle, welcome to a Monday edition of the Draft Dudes. I noticed you didn't say it was a Victory Monday episode of the Draft Dudes. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, better luck next year. <laughs> I know the feeling very well. Uh, so I uh, – can't talk too much, but uh, yeah, this is going to be a good show. Natty tonight, something to look forward to. Um, Joe, this will be a nice bridge for you. Kind of get back on the horse, watch your football game, and uh, kind of feel good about you know, hopefully uh, your predicted team, which we'll get into in a little bit, coming out with the dub, eating that W tonight. So, but uh, other than that, uh, you know, film grind keeps on grinding, and uh Senior Bowl's less than two weeks away for when I get on my plane. I'm about 12 days away from getting on a plane, so it's good times. I'm I'm looking forward to the next couple of weeks. Should be a fun stretch. Yeah, that's the it's the good the good part of the year here. I mean, it's it's always a little bit sad to see live football, you know, the the fresh new football behind us. But the off season's so fun, you know, like just everything ahead of us with the Senior Bowl, the the playoffs, the, all the, the off-season stuff that's going to be going down in the NFL, the draft. I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's sad to see the, you know, the live games go. But, man, there is so much coming and uh, a lot to cover. I think this is going to be a really busy off-season. 
Yeah, um, some pretty prominent free agent potential movers and shakers too, right? So there's, there's, there's a lot of room for change, a lot of potential dominoes to fall. So I'm sure we will have no shortage of headlines and things to break down and moves before the draft that are going to be really yep. impactful on the way the draft itself falls. Yeah, that's going to be – that's very true. This draft, I mean, we can – you know, we've, all, we've both put out a mock draft at this point, and it's – it's so early, right? I mean, free agency is going to dictate yeah. this thing yeah. so much. I mean, who knows what's going to happen. But uh, we do know that the 2018 NFL draft is 107 days away from today. And uh, I've got a number, as I always do. 107 is also the record for the most underclassmen ever to declare for an NFL draft. It happened for the 2016 NFL draft where a record 107 declared early for the NFL draft. It didn't quite hit 100 last year. I think it was 96 or 97. Uh, but with the, the the deadline for this year being, oh, exactly a week away from today, um, it's notable that the record's 107. We'll see if we get there or not. That's such a stupid number, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> it's a, a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. I mean, that's that's almost half the draft class if every single one of those guys got drafted. And I think, was it 30%? Yeah, it's right at I think I saw some, somebody. Yeah, that don't get drafted, that leave early. So, um, no, I, and this is a, you see a lot of push on this lately. You know, oh, guys don't want to work for free, play for free. And, you know, people have, you know, personal reasons they may prompt them to go and so on and so forth. And, yeah, that's true. But um, it, it, there's a reason why the NFL is trying to cut down on kids leaving early, right? So I understand the player side of it. I understand for, for you know, individual circumstances, there, there may be extenuating circumstances that prompt people to leave. But by and large, these mass exodus you know, situations that you're seeing, a lot of times what they're doing is they're really sapping the senior class behind it. And you're oversaturating, and uh, guys may miss on the opportunity to get development. And you know, people will counter that with saying, "Oh, well, there's no development like the development you'll get in the NFL." Um, sometimes yes, and sometimes no. So it's a, it's a roll of the dice. You're really just gambling on yourself. And a lot of these guys, unfortunately, get bad advice. You know, I think what's hard for us is we don't know all the personal circumstances, and sometimes you and I both take crap from people that you know want to remind us that we don't know the personal circumstances. And that's fine. I, I get it. I don't understand that. For me, whenever I'm usually critical of an underclassman declaration, it's because I don't feel like they're striking when the iron's hot. You know, it's like you, you had a, an injury-riddled season or you, you didn't play up to your capabilities. You underachieved. You're in a crowded class of really talented other players at your position. You know, can, is your best chance to maximize your draft stock by going back and proving yourself uh, and having a great season. So I think that's where my frustrations come into this, you know, when we're seeing 100-plus guys declaring, you know, close to it every year. You know, some of them just aren't striking when that iron's hot and, and taking advantage of their their best possible draft stock. Right. You know, and there, there's been instances that we've had, Joe, where there's been players that have thought about coming out, and, you know, we've been asked for an opinion on that player. And we've given our assessment of that player, and, they end up going back to school and finishing their, their careers at the college level. 
and then still go undrafted. So, um, you know, a striking while the iron's hot is an, an interesting concept, and I think some some of these players will uh, be convinced that the iron's hot when it's not. And, and I don't know how you fix that because social media being what it is and people having other people in their lives that will talk to them and say, oh, well, you know, you did this in this game or you did that in that game. And it's, it's, an, it's a difficult dynamic to really put a grasp on. And I'm not sure how that trend gets diminished by the league but it's something that they are trying to do and you know they made the changes with the underclassmen assessments with that intent it's either day one day two or stay in school that's what they give you now and there's there's a reason for that that ambiguity is supposed to say hey you know you're not going to be set to make a lot of money coming out so finish your degree get the development that that you need and uh, sometimes players take that advice, and sometimes they don't. I blame agents, Kyle. I, I do. You know, there's so- uh, uh, you know, there's there's a whole underworld yes. there that, like, you know, we've we've seen a little bit of, but I don't even want to know, yeah. dude. It's nasty. It's cutthroat. They want their their chance at uh, you know a, a hidden gem, and, and that turning into big contracts. And the only way to get guys that are going to sign big contracts in the NFL is to have guys. And, and convince guys that uh, you know aren't uh, going to be drawn to the you know the prominent agents and these uh, these guys trying to get their foot in the door and become the next Drew Rosenhaus. Well, they need to to strike strike gold on on a prospect, and uh, so I, I that's I think that's the root of a lot of it, um, but I don't know for sure. And uh, I, I just there's, we've seen some shady stuff, and and I'm sure yeah. it's even worse what we don't know. Well, and it's, that's an area that's extremely hard to, quote-unquote, play by the rules, right? Like, play with integrity. We've seen guys that do play with integrity, and they get guys swiped right out from underneath their noses because it's, it's a dirty business. It's, a, like you said, a cutthroat business. And that's why I'm glad I chose to do draft assessment side and not representation side because that, that would be – I have a temper. I wouldn't do well with guys stealing my guys. <laughs> no, you don't have a temper. Oh yes, be, no, let's not be modest. Be now, nice Kyle. to my good friend Kyle. Yes, I have very sensitive feelings. Please, Kyle, we got top plays this Monday. Lead us off, my man. Yeah, I want to talk about Kaiser White killing people. That's that's my <laughs> top priority. <laughs> uh, Kaiser White, if you're not initiated with my Twitter timeline last night, is a strong safeties type hybrid defender from West Virginia. They play this 3-3-5. He plays the, uh, I believe this, I believe they call it the star, or the spur, I'm sorry. He plays the spur position uh, for this West Virginia defense. So he's in hook curl a lot. He's up at the line of scrimmage. They, they buzz him off in, when they rotate the safeties, and he'll take a deep third. And, but this guy, if you play him inside 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, dear Lord, I mean, he... He has collected quite a head count of hits and tackles that look like Bobby Boucher from The Waterboy. <laughs> Just hitting guys and their feet fly up above their head. And um, two plays in particular stand out. A uh, hat tip to whoever on my timeline made the Bobby Boucher uh, doesn't have any eligibility left tweet to me because it inspired this this little analogy here. Um one was against Texas this year. Uh, 
where the ball is checked down into the flat and White's playing hook curl something outside of 10 yards and he drives on this throw into the flat as he sees it develop and when he reaches the running back he kind of meets him from the side and he hits him so hard that the guy literally just ragdolls in the air and white runs right through him and uh, that was the one I was inspired to put out the you guys want to see a dead body tweet with a picture or a video of the the play and then I continue on to watching Iowa State, and Iowa State's down inside the red zone, and Kaiser White's playing flat in zone coverage. And the quarterback rolls to try and uh, escape pressure. And White puts his foot in the ground and drives on that quarterback rolling, and he gets the ball out about a step before White reaches him. But White hits him dead in the center of the gut, runs his feet through contact, and I'm not kidding – it was like the quarterback was sitting in a chair with his back parallel to the ground and his feet straight up in the air. Uh, he, he took this kid for a ride, and it was one of the most violent collisions that I've seen so far in my draft scouting for the year. So tip of the hat to Kaiser White. Uh, condolences to the families of those he hit because this dude packs a punch. He, he's a fun player. You got to check him out. Yes, sir. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to talk about, for my top play, uh, Oklahoma left tackle Orlando Brown. And um, I, I I dug heavy into Oklahoma tape end of last week to you know get my work done on Mark Andrews and Baker Mayfield and Orlando Brown. And, um, and focusing on Brown, specifically in the Kansas State game, uh, he goes against his pass rusher 51 you know, for most of the game. And Orlando Brown just toys with him the whole time. Because he knows he's just bigger and stronger than him. And 51, to his credit, he really tries to get his length and hands involved to, to beat Brown. But he can't do it. And, and even when 51 was able to establish his hands or, or you know, kind of get to the chest plate first, Orlando Brown has so much length, so much power when he shoots his hands that it's like it's just like a wrecking ball through, through the, the opponent's arms to, to get his hands placed. And so uh, it just kind of thinking about several reps, not necessarily one in particular, although I did tweet one out. If anyone wants to check my media tweets, you'll get a chance to see at least one example of what I'm talking about. Just uh, Orlando Brown's ability to absorb contact because he's so friggin' big and strong, but then get those vines for arms that have incredible power behind his strike and just kind of plow through t- the other guy's hand fit to, to get him off of him is, is really exceptional stuff. And I think that's something that is going to help him at the next level. He's an interesting blend of size, mobility, length, power, uh, that all works together to be a really dominant blocker where sometimes you see these guys that are, you know, six, eight and 350 plus pounds. They can't move and they fight against their body because, uh, they're so tall and they have to kind of block down when they punch, uh, Orlando Brown really, knows how to work, use that all together and, and be a stalwart. And, um, you know, he's definitely going to be in my top, I guess, three or four offensive tackles this year and and uh, really came away impressed with his ability to just win with length and power. Yeah, Joe, you actually see some people now that are starting to plug him at OT1. Mm. So that this is he's a really hot name right now. Uh, real quick, do you have a comp? Uh <laughs> I, I do because I put one down in my scouting report that I wrote. Um, 
And if you give me like about three more seconds here, and if I talk slow enough, I'll be One able Mississippi. to read that to you. Two Mississippi. And, oh, I put Trent Brown. Hi. Trent Brown. Oh, that's a, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, Trent Brown, was he undrafted? Uh, he was Florida? a later pick. I, I think he was drafted, but it was later. Okay. Yeah, I remember watching his tape, and I was like, dude, like, this guy's an impressive athlete for his size, but I thought he was pretty raw coming out. So his development and the pace that it's happened has been really impressive for me. My comp's Morgan Moses. Okay. Uh, offensive tackle, uh, Washington Redskins just got paid a nice, nice little hefty contract. Uh, bigger guy that can use length, foot speed's not at a premium, but so the hands really help make him as a blocker. So you know, I think we're we're both definitely seeing the same kind of profile um no don't put him at right tackle no <laughs> he's not a guard no. he plays left tackle yeah. and he's got the length to do it just fine yep so joe we have the natty tonight yes. national championship georgia and alabama good news sec team's gonna win the national championship bad news sec team's gonna lose the national championship so <laughs> Um, here's hoping this one's a little more exciting than the last time SEC showdown took place in the natty with, uh, LSU and Alabama. Uh, Joe, I'm going to let you have the floor here for one must watch prospect versus prospect showdown because Lord knows there's plenty of them and uh, prediction for the game. Wow. Um, well, Kyle, being that I am two for two so far in my, uh, College oh, playoff projections. Uh, Do you I want to sip some tea? I don't have any tea. I had a cup of coffee before. No, oh, that's that's, that's poor form. Yeah, that's poor form. That's fine. I'm good with it. Uh, so I think Georgia's going to win this football game, which pisses me off because you called me on that before the show. Uh, you said that you knew <laughs> I was going to pick Georgia, and that's annoying as hell to me. Yep. Um, so I do want to know, as part of your segment here, tell me why you knew yes. I was going to pick Georgia, because I think I think I need to know. I gotta I gotta self scout here and fight some of my tendencies. Uh, I think that what this comes down to is I think that they're similar football teams. They both run the ball really well. They both uh, stop the run really well. They both have great pass defenses. They are big physical football teams with speed. I just think that Georgia has more in the passing game that. Uh, I believe in them to hit throws down the field if they needed to, uh, keep the chains moving, uh, execute a two-minute drill at the end of a game to, to win it or the end of a half to, to get points on the board. And I think they have an advantage in, in the kicking game in terms of place kickers. So for me, I have everything similar. I have advantages to Georgia in the passing game and kicking, which is probably going to be important in this game. I'm going Georgia Bulldogs. Um I, I think Jake Fromm's a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts, and, and I think that will show, and that'll be a reason why uh, Georgia takes home the national championship uh, tomorrow night, or tonight, excuse me. So uh, I get you asked me for a prospect battle, which um, I was really just wanting to talk about why I thought Georgia won the game. Um, for me, I guess it really comes down to what I'm excited to see is uh, Rashad Evans against this uh, this. Georgia backfield of, you know, Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. Uh, I really love what I've seen from Evans this year. I've got a chance to dig into some of his all 22 and comparing him to 2016 Rashawn Evans to 2017 Rashad Evans. 
I actually compared that in one of my six-pack articles to the leap that Baker Mayfield took as a passer and just, just really become a nuanced football player. And, and his ability to read and dissect plays is, is at such a better level than it was uh, last year. And so um, yeah, he's seeing stuff a lot cleaner. He's he's still reacting really quick, and he's unbelievably athletic, athletic and physical. And so, you know, here you go. Here's Tony Michelle. Here's Nick Chubb. Uh, you know, meet him in the hole, uh, get an angle on him, win in space. He's going to have all those chances to do it. And so uh, Rashad Evans versus Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, that's probably the one thing I'm really excited about watching tonight. Yeah. Um, I also think Georgia's going to win the game. I agree with everything you said. Uh, when is Nick going to get a reliable kicker down there <laughs> in Alabama? It's it's like the the single chink in the armor, Yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It's uh yeah so so definitely have an advantage in that component of the um, special teams but Scott for the punter for Alabama now here we are on the draft dudes talking about kickers and punters um, <laughs> Scott Scott is a weapon so uh, that that's something that can kind of you know in a game like this that could be a grinded out style game that field position component could be very big so Alabama does have the ability to kind of dictate the pace of the game if they can pin Georgia deep in their own zone. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Georgia has the added element on offense. It's kind of like the Bills-Jaguars game from this past oh, weekend, this right? Like, What? <laughs> 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 they, they both play a physical brand of defense. They both like to cut their teeth with running the football. But one quarterback has turnovers and the other quarterback doesn't. Never mind the other one had like 80-something yards passing. Uh I, I, on a serious note, I think Fromm will make more throws in the deep, I'll, I'll say 15-plus areas of the field, that it's going to keep the field spaced just enough that those backs can pop some big runs. I think Harris and Scarborough for Alabama are going to grind out a lot of tough yardage. I think Harris especially is a guy that you know, we haven't talked about a lot on this show because we're waiting for him to make you know his – intentions clear one way or the other. But if he comes out, he's immediately going to be put in the top five of my position rankings because he's a really good football player. I just think the passing game or lack of passing game as comparison to Georgia is going to handcuff Alabama offensively, and I think that's where Georgia is going to make the difference. Kyle, uh, any thoughts on – can you tell me why you why you knew I was going to pick Georgia? No comment. Gonna keep that one in the back. No, it's it. Yeah, no. Um, you know, I I would like to think that you and I, especially in talking with you about prospects so far this year, we've been on the same page with a lot. Not necessarily our bowl picks, but I got desperate towards the back half when we just started picking teams, trying to make up ground. Uh, we see a lot similarly, and this was how I viewed this game, and I knew how you viewed both of the semifinal games. So I kind of just pieced one and two together. So it was like nothing you said or did that was like a tell. It was more, here's how I view it. I know Joe kind of, we're we're seeing things similarly right now. So I I would be willing to bet Joe's going to pick Georgia to win the game. For four years of talking football, uh, 40 hours a week, I guess probably. Uh, I guess we're in tune. Yeah, it's it's good to uh, (laughs) be on the same page and, and not at odds with you. It's, it feels good to be to be partners and teammates here. 
speaking of partners and teammates, maybe Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph will be partners and teammates at the Senior Bowl this year. Joe, one of the things that you did this past week for NETScouting.com, which was terrific, was you took this set of requisite must-haves from Bill Parcells for in, in regards to evaluating quarterbacks and, and selecting a quarterback. And some people have kind of poo-pooed the list and said, oh, well, you know, Parcells' quarterbacks didn't have this and they didn't have that. But, you know, this is something he went on the record and said. So we're just simply taking that list of seven traits that he prefers to have in a quarterback and put a vast majority of the 2018 quarterback class through. And, Joe, the article that you put out and, and the, the results that you came out with said that Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph are the two quarterbacks in this class that meet every criteria on that list from Bill Parcells. And these two guys, these two guys being kind of hot-button prospects and prospects we get a lot of questions about, we thought it might not be a bad idea to talk about them a little bit more in depth for the last bit of the show here and break down what we see in them as players, where they may be successful, what they struggle with, and kind of just set the table for um, anybody who has not gotten around to looking at these guys yet or has questions as they watch them because that's a very common thing too. You know, Out of these uh, Big 12 offenses and against these Big 12 defenses – What's relevant, what's not, what can we rely on as being you know, pertinent for an NFL career? So, Joe, I'm going to give you the floor first talking about, let's touch on Mason first. Mason Rudolph, the quarterback, a little bit about his profile, a couple things you like, a couple concerns. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Yeah, well, I think Mason Rudolph, I mean, he had a terrific, terrific career at Oklahoma State. I mean, this this team won 10 games in three consecutive years. It's the only, only uh, uh, time that's ever happened in Oklahoma State history. He's got three years as a starter. Uh, he's 41 uh, game starter, and he's like th- ridiculous record, 32 and eight or something as a starter, and um, had some big moments and, and all that type of stuff. He's got the the great size and all that that you look for. He really passes the eyeball test. He's a good human being. I think that uh, he will be able to have those intangibles that uh, any NFL franchise would like to have in a quarterback. So he's going to kind of check those important boxes. But on the field. Um, Mason is – he's a good quarterback. I'll say that. Um, he – my favorite thing about him is how well he throws the football with touch. Um, kind of really to all levels where he's able to, you know, put it in advantageous positions for receivers to make a play on the ball and trust them to do so. Uh, is he always the most accurate? No. Does he does he miss opportunities to lead guys into space more? No. But I think he throws a really catchable football. Um, I like that he actually does a pretty good job of working progressions and going through his reads and trying to find the best place to go with the football. Um, 
And my concerns with him are that when things aren't right, when things break down around him, when he has to, you know, expedite his process and, and maybe find a quick platform or, you know, move within the pocket, you know, everything really declines. The accuracy declines. The decision-making declines. His mechanics really decline. And so, you know, we say this about a lot of guys, even like Davis Webb last year comes to mind. Just, you know, when things are right, man, and he, and he can rock and rock and throw it, man, he's he's good. But when that chaos comes, and which will come in the NFL, right, it's going to be there, you know, he really noticeably declines. Um, and so that that's kind of his – the knock on him. And then also, you know, he's, he's a guy with a lot of tape, like I said, 41 game starter. Uh, he's been about the same player for all 41 games, right? There's not a whole lot of like upward trajectory. He hasn't changed a lot. He, the same issues that he's always had, he's always had. And so, you know, you worry about his ability, his capacity to really become more than what he is. And so, um, you know, I don't know that he has a great ceiling, you know, maybe he can have a, a Matt Schaub type career, a few, a nice little run as a starter, win some games, but mostly an unheralded backup. But um, there's a likable skill set here. There's some reasons for caution. Um, but, you know, I think from those intangibles perspective and, the, the, you know, just the kind of the human element of him, he's going to win over teams. Yeah. he. Um, this is a guy that looks the part, checks the visible eyeball test, which is kind of silly. But you know what? It's it's that first immediate impression that you know you're going to see him on the sideline. Be like, oh, that's a quarterback. There's one. Yeah. So Mason, one of the things that really stood out to me when I watched Mason's tape, and this was one of the more impressive pieces about him, is he's really good before the snap at identifying what the defense is going to give him. And he was really effective at Oklahoma State in the games that I watched from 2017 identifying the rotation in the secondary and throwing away from that. He knows who's going to be in the one-on-one situation based on the rotation of the secondary and the pre-snap alignment. And when he gets that right and he's consistently vibing in that and they're playing off and they're just giving up space in the secondary, he'll pick you apart. He'll drop back. He knows exactly where he wants to go. He holds his eyes in the middle of the field and he turns to his target and throws. Where Mason gets shaky, as you said, Joe, is A, when chaos comes, when he has to extend plays with his feet within the pocket or without outside the pocket. Or when something happens after the snap that's not what he anticipated before the snap. And when he reads something's not right, he will lock onto his primary and he will hope that that player develops his way open. He doesn't move off very quickly because he does not want to force a throw into coverage. And I like that. I like that he protects the ball. This is somebody with almost 1,500 passing attempts and 16 interceptions. So he doesn't put the ball in harm's way a whole lot. He doesn't make bad decisions. But when it's time to get off script or time to move on past what he's first expecting, that's when you really see him deteriorate from a footwork perspective, a throwing mechanics perspective. Uh, struggling to move within the pocket and manipulate pass rushers by sliding late to avoid a rush, those sorts of things, they all kind of just crumble. And it's kind of a polar opposite of what you see with, with Baker Mayfield, where, yeah, Baker will pick you apart, but Baker almost thrives, right, in that 
that chaos element. I think that he started so strongly being the opposite pole, where Baker, when he first arrived at Oklahoma, was almost exclusively, I want to move off my platform, and I want to force defensive coverage to break down so I can find a favorable matchup after I've moved and throw on the run. And he's really turned himself into a technician. And this is the difference for me between the two, Joe. As you said, Mason is a sophomore. Mason is a senior. By and large, is the same player. Baker as a sophomore. Baker as a senior. You have seen the myriad of issues that, that he has experienced notable growth in. And I know there's some technical things that you've noted with Baker that I'll let you talk about, Joe. But... Baker is not the eyeball test that's going to immediately grab somebody's attention. He's a little bit more polarizing his personality, where, where Mason's very uh, straight-laced and, and the tie's on straight, and, and Baker's not quite that, quote-unquote, corporate look. But I like that about him. I, I think that gives him a little bit of an edge. I think there are some locker rooms that that can jive really well with. And that fit is something that's an underrated piece of what we do, where we don't really talk about how somebody fits in with the culture of the team. Because it's hard for us on the outside, not understanding fully the full picture of the personalities at play and who would get along with whom. And But a guy like that, not everybody's going to love him. But if you can get your skill guys in your offensive group to love him, uh, they're going to fight tooth and nail. They're going to really respond to him. His leadership style will be much better received than with some other places. So, uh, Joe, I'll let you talk about the technical side of Baker, but I wanted to touch on how they started out as kind of polar opposites, and we've seen growth from one and not from the other. And um, the the personal side of them uh, is not, certainly not a one-to-one as well. Yeah, so looking at Baker Mayfield, don't get me wrong here, people. I like Baker Mayfield a lot. He's going to score as a first-round grade for me. And uh, I love his accuracy. Baker is extremely accurate with the football to all levels of the field. Um, there's, there's kind of this – one of the observations, takeaways that I've had from really studying him in depth here lately is that Baker Mayfield, when you look at this Oklahoma offense and what it tries to do and in, in the concepts that it has, I mean, it does a lot of stuff where – it's, it's scheme throws where it's designed to get a certain player open or they run a rub route or they, um, they have an, uh, a situation where they motion um, Mark Andrews onto a situation where he's just in a, in a physical and size mismatch it, to try to you know create easy throws, and that's fine. That's a really nice component of every offense. I, I, what bothers me about Baker is there's sometimes he just ignores it. Um, there was a, a play that really sticks to mind where uh, they motion, they line up Mark Andrews in the backfield, they motion him left, um, and they run an arrow route with him on a, um, a slot receiver. And, and he, you know, if he's perfectly leveraged, he breaks back inside. I mean, the, the corner is all spun around. Baker, it's his first read. Baker stares at it from, from the, the outset of the snap. And he doesn't throw it. He looks right. And on the other side, they have a, a rub route where. Uh, it's perfectly executed in a shallow crosser, and, and uh, five is, is run, streaking across the formation wide open. He, he ignores it, and what does he do? He, he sees the vertical route, and he tries to kind of to work it in there and, and winds up being an incomplete pass, but, you know, it was a first and ten play. There was no reason in, in, for him to 
not take those those wide open first and second reads to go to the third read that was a bigger play. So uh, I think it comes down to really two things: is that sometimes I just want his trigger to to like just go. Like I, I love that Baker reads the whole field and he goes through his progressions, but sometimes like when coverage dictates where the football is going to be, when the matchups are where you want them to be, where you have the leverage that you that you want, you got to take it. Um, and then you know it, it kind of goes back to that idea that I've said a few times now: is that like he just invites the chaos, and that's okay. That's that's made a lot of plays in the Big Twelve, but they're going to suffocate you in the NFL if you invite that chaos. And so, um, you know, taking advantage of chance opportunities when chaos presents itself to create and do the things that you do. But, like, just hit, hit the normal stuff a little bit more consistently is what I want to see from Baker. I know he's got the skill set to do it. I know he can make the throws. I know he can hit the, hit this stuff. He sees it. It, it just go take it. Take it more often uh, because at the NFL it's going to be about keeping them more on schedule, having positive plays, not getting behind the sticks, and part of doing that is hitting these throws that I'm talking about. Joe, would you say this is somewhat similar to a running back that looks to bounce a little too much? Like, say, Melvin Gordon, yeah. right? Like, Melvin Gordon at Wisconsin wanted to bounce everything outside, and it drove you freaking nuts. It's like, dude, just tuck your nose up there. There's seven yards. Take it. So with Baker – uh, yeah, that that check down, not even that check down, that primary might be a route that's developing at 8 to 12 yards. But if you hit it and that receiver makes one guy miss, boom, there's your big play. Don't force the big play. Let the big plays happen by operating the offense the way it's supposed to be conducted. Kyle, if I could say one more thing here on Baker Mayfield, because I think there's an underrated part to his game that really stood out to me on film that I don't think gets talked about enough. I think he's mechanically really good. I there mean, you I, go. That's I was waiting for this. There, there's a, it's, I agree with you 100%. Go ahead. Uh, and, and you called me. I was in the middle of the Baker uh, doing my study on him, and like I, I don't even know why you called, but the first thing I said to you, I was like, hey, Kyle. You, you called me. I answered the phone. Hey, Kyle, have you noticed how good Baker Mayfield's mechanics are? And then we talked about that, and I, whatever the, the intent of the call was, we got to. But uh, there, is, uh, there is a lot of nuance in, in, in his footwork and his, in his release. And you know, there's times that he's got to get up on his toes. You'll see that on tape. But the way that he takes his pass sets and, and, and how he, you know, he'll he'll gather himself and, and drive his whole body into throws and really just kind of whip his leg around and get that lower body torque and, and have a consistency with his release and, like, just his trigger. Like, when he, when he decides to throw the football, how smooth and efficient his throwing motion is. And, like, even when he pump fakes and has to reload and retool, like, he's so clean with it and gets the ball out so efficiently. I really like how his, his feet work in unison with his upper body to be very consistent mechanically. And, and I don't think we talk about it enough with him as a prospect and, and his traits evaluation because I think his upper and lower body throwing mechanics are really good. Yeah, I think one of the most underrated pieces of Baker as a prospect are his feet. He's always balanced in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Like he, he is, you know, it doesn't matter where his eyes are going, Joe. As you said, that association is there. The feet are in line with the eyes. And he can get totally off base. And then as he collects himself, the feet in just instantaneously just snap back into that throwing posture. And, and that really helps him with the quickness that he has when he finally sees something that he wants to throw to, uh, really allows him to do that with quickness. 
Any more parting thoughts, Joe, before we let the people go watch the Natty tonight? <laughs> I want Baker on, on the Buffalo Bills, but I don't know if he gets a 21. And I don't no, you, you can't have him. You can't have him. <laughs> that would not be fair. Because otherwise you will see me elbowing people through flaming wooden tables at tailgates next year, <laughs> like the rest of the Bills Mafia if they land Baker Mayfield. I think you'd be a great fit. I know it's hard for you oh, being yeah, a my, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, but you would be a great fit for Bills Mafia. I, I guess my only question is, do I choke slam, power bomb, or pile driver somebody through my first table? I, I see. Why is that a thing? What is the thing with the table? I, I see you. This is my Kyle Krabs, Bills Mafia. Uh, this is what I see your fit is. Your first jump is going to be off of an RV, burning table, flying elbow drop right into the middle of the thing. That sounds about right. <laughs> Somebody send me a Baker Mayfield Bills jersey, and let's make this come to life. That's the only way it happens. Joe, it can't come from you. It's got to happen from one of the listeners, one of the people out there. Send me that Baker Mayfield Buffalo Bills, and I will join Bills Mafia and jump off tables and for, for flying elbows. Just put it out there. What a great way to uh, – what better way, I should say, to – to find out if this little fantasy comes to life or not, then to hit subscribe to the Draft Dudes podcast. Follow along with all of our shenanigans as we continue to work our way through this draft class, explore these prospects. We'll be bringing you plenty of coverage from the 2018 Senior Bowl, 2018 NFL Combine, 2018 NFL Draft, and everything in between. There's plenty for us to dig into. We really look forward to doing that for you. Uh, so please hit subscribe on that podcast. Let us know how we're doing. You can reach us on social media as well as you know comments and ratings for the podcast. Joe is on Twitter at the Joe Marino. I'm on Twitter at MT Scouting. You can follow along with all of the great articles, including Joe's Bill Parcells piece uh, on Twitter at NDT Scouting. The website's page, uh, NDT Scouting LLC. Plenty of ways for you to reach out to us, interact with us, talk to us. We like doing these things. Just please, like we said at the top of the show, be nice. Have sensitive feelings. So I'm Kyle Krabs signing off with Joe Marino. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast. We will catch up with you all on Wednesday. the high fashion hotline hi my family's going to a concert in the park and we want our style to be the main attraction rock over to old navy old navy yep right now get up to 50 percent off jeans from 15 bucks for adults 10 bucks for kids at old navy and oldnavy.com up to 50 percent off jeans for the family that's music to my ears plus now you can get in and out of the store in a flash with buy online pick up in store it's fun fast and free styles that take center stage and free pickup in store when i buy online old navy here we come high fashion old navy about 720 to 729 select styles only Sometimes deer like to jaywalk, or a basketball forgets to look both ways before bouncing across the street. Will your tires make every stop? Compare wet braking distance at michelinman.com slash performance. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.